The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not murder, but whoever murders shall be liable to judgment. But I say to you that if you are angry with a brother or sister, you will be liable to judgment. And if you insult a brother or sister, you will be liable to the council. And if you say, you fool, you will be liable to the fire of hell, or the hell of fire. So when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister, and then come quickly and offer your gift. Come to terms with your accuser while you are on the way to court with him. Or your accuser may hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of unchastity, causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery." Again, you have heard that it was said to those of ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows that you have made to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything more comes than this comes from the evil one. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. I invite you to pray with me. Holy God, you have a word for us today, a word of comfort and a word of challenge, a word of hope and a word of leadership for our lives. Make our hearts soft and plant your word in us that it may bear fruit through our lives. Amen. Friends, in today's gospel, we pick up right where we left off last week. Uh, If you were here last week, Pastor Varenia talked about salt and light. It was a beautiful gospel text and a beautiful sermon. This week, we have words like murder and adultery and infidelity and swearing with a little bit of hellfire sprinkled in on top for seasoning. I really need to do a better job looking ahead at these texts before I assign the preaching schedule, I think. (laughs) But the assigned reading for today actually just starts on verse 21. You have heard it said, but I wanted to include this, this pivotal verse here in 20. Because whenever we read Scripture, especially when it's challenging passages, context matters. So before we get into these really fun words today... We need to understand this section of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in the context of his whole message here in this sermon. 
And, and if we put this into context, if there's a single word that seems to provide some continuity, this common theme through the whole Sermon on the Mount, I think it's this, righteousness, righteousness. So verse 20 today that we started with, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. We have to wonder, what does Jesus mean by this word? And at the end of chapter 5, uh, we hear this, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And the next verse talks about righteousness again. But then at the end of the whole section, chapter 6, we'll get to this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So what does Jesus mean by unless your righteousness surpasses the scribes and Pharisees? You see, this would have been shocking and challenging to hear right out of the gate uh, because these folks, the scribes and Pharisees, these were the rule followers. They knew the law inside and out and they dedicated their lives to obeying it obsessively. I mean, if these folks were around today, they'd be the type of people where the speed limit's 30, we're going 29 all the time. Honey, the baby's on the way. It's okay, the speed limit's 30 though, right? That's who they were. So immediately, people would be thinking, really? Because these folks, they always follow the rules. Jesus is saying, I know what you're thinking, but here's the deal. And he goes deeper. Because true righteousness doesn't just refrain from breaking the law. It means living life as God intends us to live. It means right relationship with God, right relationships with our neighbors. In other words, Jesus teaches them to go past prohibition to kingdom mission, to go beyond mere prevention, living into God's intention. See, God's word for us is not simply about avoiding prohibited actions like some sort of good person checklist. It's a living word to to guide us through life, the life that God intends for us. And that means loving, compassionate relationships with our neighbors, with all human beings. And so let's dive into some of what Jesus says here today. So he teaches by this kind of back-and-forth method. You have heard it was said, but I say to you. And what he's talking about here, he's quoting laws from the Old Testament. So he's not making up uh, new rules or laws here, but he is giving a new interpretation. But maybe it's better to not think of it as a new interpretation, but actually he's revealing God's intention behind these laws in the first place. Don't just do the bare minimum Go beyond prevention to God's intention. Experience the abundant life God wants for us. You know, a couple of ways that can maybe help us think about this. Um, have you ever uh, had this experience where maybe you've, you've walked into your kid's room and everything is all over the place on the floor and you say, this room needs to be cleaned. You need to clean your room. And, and the kids immediately jump up with joy and say, okay, I'd love to, right? No, but, but they do it. They, they clean their room and you come back and check a little bit later and they say, I'm all done. I did it, dad. And then you notice that you can see the floor, but all the things that were on the floor are just shoved under the bed or in the closet, and you're like, that really wasn't the intention of cleaning your room, right? 
Or maybe you've been on a road trip, a long car ride, and you hear, and there's, there's kids in the back, parents in the front, and you hear this bickering and fighting and kids kind of hitting each other and, and getting in each other's business, and you say, stop hitting your sister, stop hitting your brother. And it's quiet for a while, and then you hear some more complaining, and you look back, and there's one of those fingers right here saying, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you. <laughs> that wasn't really the intention behind saying, don't hit your sibling, Right? So you imagine with me the reaction of the scribes and Pharisees who always followed the letter of the law. They're listening to this and Jesus says, you shall not murder. And they say with pride, check, I've never done that and never will. Easy. We ourselves might think, yeah, I've got that commandment down. That one's not a problem for me. But then Jesus keeps going to God's intention. Have you ever been angry with someone? Have you ever insulted someone? Have you ever said to someone, you fool? And then we start to get a little nervous, right? Jesus said, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. And the scribes and the Pharisees, they beam with pride. We might feel that same self-righteousness creep up in ourselves, right? I have never and will never be unfaithful to my spouse. But Jesus keeps going again. Have you ever looked at anyone that way? Have you ever had those thoughts? And then he goes on, you have heard it said, do not swear falsely. And we might puff up with pride again about how good we are, but Jesus keeps on challenging us. Have you ever passed on misinformation? Ever been a part of gossip? Ever, ever failed to be fully honest with someone when you know that you should because it's uncomfortable for you? See, sure, we may not technically break the commandment, but are we living into God's intention? behind these laws that God has laid out for us. You know, one of the things I love about our Lutheran tradition is how Luther uh, grabs a hold of this idea in his teaching on the small, in the small catechism. You know, uh, for every prohibition in the Ten Commandments, Luther uh, kind of reverses that and teaches us God's intention behind that. He says, for example, uh, you shall not kill. What does this mean? Luther's response is, we are to fear and love God so that we neither endanger nor harm the lives of our neighbors, but instead help and support them in all of life's needs. He says, you shall not bear false witness. What does this mean? And Luther's catechism says, we are to fear and love God so that we do not tell lies about our neighbors or betray or slander them or destroy their reputations. Is that not a word for today's world, friends? Instead, we are to come to their defense, to speak well of them, and interpret everything they do in the best possible light. You see, when Jesus goes beyond the letter of the law, he's calling us to live up to God's intention. And when he does that, things get far more difficult, don't they? And then he ends this section with what I think is one of the most difficult passages in all of Scripture. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. To which I say, what? (laughs) Jesus, are, are you for real? Can any of us do that? Jesus lays out these standards here that that none of us can really live up to, right? And yet, we struggle with this. What do we do with this chasm between uh, what Jesus lays out for us on how to live and our inability to do so, to live into these seemingly impossible standards? Now, some people might say, 
You can't do that. You can't do it. No one can. Jesus knows that. We all fall short, and so God's grace will save us, so don't even worry about it. Jesus doesn't actually expect us to do that. He's just making a point. Well, friends, while there is forgiveness and we are indeed saved by grace alone, if Jesus didn't actually expect us to live into this kingdom vision of right relationship, why would he bother to say all these things? See, I believe Jesus does want for us to live into this intention of God for our lives. Of course God wants this for our lives and our relationships and for the world around us. So I believe what Jesus is saying is, no, you cannot do it on your own, but I am going to get you there. See, Jesus makes the impossible possible. He says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, but he doesn't say, do that by your own strength and ability. You see, we have to read on a bit because remember, context matters. And at the end of the whole section, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and God's righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. You see, on our own, our righteousness will never be enough. So we seek not our own righteousness, but God's own righteousness. In, in Luther's sermon, Two Kinds of Righteousness, he teaches about this. Um, I'm going to put some things on the screen. They're also in sermon notes on the app, too, if you want to follow along later. He says there are two kinds of Christian righteousness. The first is alien righteousness. That is the righteousness of another from outside that is instilled in us from without, into us. This is the righteousness of God freely given to us. It's like what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. In verse 21, he says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the very righteousness of God. Luther says, Through faith in Christ, therefore, Christ's righteousness becomes our righteousness. All that he has becomes ours. And he says the second kind of righteousness uh, he calls proper righteousness. And then this, this is the good work that we do. The, the, the good that we do, not necessarily because we do it alone, but because of a, as a result of Christ's righteousness in us. He writes, this righteousness is the product of the righteousness of the first type. It's actually its fruit, its consequence. Friends, sometimes our shortcomings our mistakes, the ways we fail to live up to the expectations of others, the expectations of ourselves, the expectations of God, sometimes these things haunt us. There's this guilt and this shame that just, just won't let go. And we put on a good front and we smile, but in the back of our mind we have this, these feelings, I'm just not good enough. I try and I try, but it just seems impossible. But Jesus makes the impossible possible. Jesus makes the unrighteous righteous. So whatever you're carrying today, whatever standard you're trying to live up to, whatever guilt or shame is whispering in the back of your mind about your past, today, let it go. Be a new creation in Christ. Don't worry about your own righteousness. Trust in Christ's righteousness given freely into you so that we can let go. We can trust that we are good enough because God makes us so. With each new morning, 
We are made anew. We are forgiven. We are renewed. And when we trust in this truth, there is freedom in this world. Freedom to, 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 to live. Freedom to start again. Freedom to exist not only for ourselves, but for the sake of the one who has done this for us already. So that we can be that salt and that light. So that we can multiply and magnify the unbelievable love of God. So that when others see us, they see the goodness of God shining through us. Thanks be to God. Amen.